Three Dog Thursday on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network of Shows is presented by WinBet. Sign up using our link and receive a $500 risk-free bet. That's right, $500. And if you send in your first bet slip, you get a free T-shirt. Head over to sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash win. That's W-Y-N-N for a $500 risk-free bet. That's sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash W-Y-N-N. We're also brought to you by Better Than Vegas. Better Than Vegas is the home for the avid sports better, providing insights, analysis, and free betting picks from cappers and betters, including the crew from the SGPN. Better Than Vegas, it's like YouTube for sports betting. Check out all their free videos at betterthan.vegas. That's betterthan.vegas. We're also brought to you in part by Better Edge. Better Edge is a stock exchange for sports bets, allowing you to buy and sell betting positions like a stock market. The best part is it allows you to bet with no VIG. That's right, no VIG, betting that's legal in 40 states, and you sign up at bettoredge.com with the promo code SGP and get a free $10 bet. That's B-E-T-T-O-R, betteredge.com, promo code SGP. We're also brought to you in part by Ace Per Head. Ace is the leader in pay-per-head providers, and they make it super easy to start your own sportsbook. Plus, Ace is offering up to six weeks free over at aceperhead.com slash SGP. That's aceperhead.com slash SGP. Football fans, it's time to go on the record for this week's matchup pro and college football with just one catch we're only interested in underdogs who can keep it close if not pull the outright upset time to find out it's three dog thursday now here's your host tj reed well hello there folks and welcome in to the latest edition of our little digital radio show where we love to talk sports and talk underdogs in particular football with the best time of the year right now. The college football postseason is narrowed down to the championship game with Alabama and Ohio State on Monday night. The NFL wildcard weekend about to commence with six wildcard games being played in the NFC and the AFC uh, coming up. So we're going to have a lot to talk about with my guests and handicap and talk underdogs and and a lot more. Uh, obviously, I'm mindful as we come in on Three Dog Thursday of the events of Wednesday, January the 6th, 2011, a day that we're not going to soon forget for the a- absolute chaos and sickening unrest that took place in the nation's capital and at the Capitol building uh, as the protesters uh, that were there uh, on behalf of President Donald Trump turned Uh, chaotic and violent and stormed the Capitol. And so uh, I come to you here with the full understanding that there are more important things going on in our country than just talking sports. I fully acknowledge that and understand that. And just like we talked earlier in the year uh, with the Black Lives Matter uh, protests and and riots that were taking place, uh, we have talked time and again about the coronavirus pandemic shutting down sports, and and we dealt with that and, and talked about Uh, a lot of different things back when there were no games in April and May and June. When are we going to be able to play again, et cetera, et cetera. I realize that in 2020, especially, real life intersected with sports a ton. It is doing it again here. 
Uh, here's hoping that we move forward from this with the understanding that things like what happened on Wednesday are intolerable. They are sickening that those that, that were involved in this, um, it, it was idiotic. It was chaotic, and it should never happen again to threaten our democracy and our, and our electoral system. So uh, I think that all goes without saying. There needs to be uh, m- much more investigation and many more arrests and prosecution. These people through video and through all of their social media postings are easily identifiable with the present technology. There should be hundreds arrested after what went on and the threats that were made to the two um, the legislative branches of our federal government that were in session while this was going on. Uh, just horrific. And, and again, I, I am taping this podcast to pull the veil back on Wednesday evening. I have already done a bunch of work with our guests that you're going to hear upcoming. I don't know what has happened later Wednesday night. We've released the podcast on Thursday. I'm just providing you with a welcome distraction with the world of sports and a whole lot of football talk that is coming up here on the show. I'm just making acknowledgement that I understand what's going on in the real world um, as somebody that is a parent. Uh, with two gorgeous twin daughters, you're trying to explain it to your middle school 12-year-olds what this is. Again, it's disgusting. It's civil unrest. This is what leads to civil war, folks. Not just in other countries, third world countries and other countries. This is what can happen in your own country. Uh, when, when you don't respect the uh, the integrity of the election process, when you don't respect the integrity of, of what we have in place for the system in terms of protest, in terms of the legislature and rules and votes and how you change things with elections. Um, I, I get that there's a lot of controversy right now over the legitimacy of the presidential election. And, and I haven't addressed this really on this podcast because it's a sports podcast. There is definitely some evidence of shenanigans in the presidential election. But guess what? There was a time period to contest it, to appeal, to go to the court system and try to prove the things that are being alleged, and it didn't happen. So now the laws and the rules and the integrity of our democracy say, move on. Move on to the new presidency for Joe Biden and Kamala Harris, the new administration. That's going to happen coming up. The rest of this solves absolutely nothing. The rest of this is is uh, not only disheartening, it's sickening is the word that I will use. It is not us as Americans. We are better than what you saw there uh, on Wednesday horribly uh, with the fires and the and the flames being stoked figuratively by the president, uh, the now the now lame duck ha- has been lame duck president for the last couple of months. The outgoing former president, who just doesn't seem to be willing to step aside, and I don't I don't know what's going to happen in the coming days here of the last two weeks of his presidency as to whether or not he'll be removed or not, which is uh, which is something that at the time that I'm taping this is being discussed that it may have to be done. Uh, because of of what happened on Wednesday. And and I get that. I understand that. But again, here on Three Dog Thursday, you didn't come here for the political conversation. You came here for the conversation about underdogs and about football and what happened last weekend as the regular season ended in the NFL and also the college football bowl games, the prominent bowl games, including the national uh, college football playoff semifinals between Alabama and Notre Dame and Ohio State and Clemson. And hey, speaking of underdogs, the Irish and the Buckeyes both came through if you had them. We did not. Brian Edwards and I, uh, my senior handicapper, did not go down that road on Three Dog Thursday with either one of those. 
But I will say we were scoring with some underdogs this past weekend yet again. In fact, at one point, we had gotten six consecutive underdogs right in college football in the NFL. Five total consecutive underdogs correct in college football right now. Going back to Ole Miss's cover in the uh, Outback Bowl against Indiana, their outright win. And the NC State cover in the Gator Bowl in Jacksonville with Kentucky. That makes us five for our last five in college football and underdogs that we've handed out the last two weeks. You couple in some NFL wins uh, that included the Houston Texans on Sunday getting it done uh, with the cover and maybe should have even won that game with the Tennessee Titans on the wild final weekend. We've done well with the underdog prediction. So we're ready to give you some more. Brian Edwards from MajorWager.com and Vegas Insider will be here to talk lots of college football. They have given out the Heisman Trophy. Bravo to the Heisman Trust for getting it right with Alabama receiver Devontae Smith. Brian and I will talk more about that in the leadoff to his segment. More about the semifinal wins by Alabama and Ohio State, a team that looked totally different against Clemson than the team I saw against Northwestern. We'll talk about that with Brian, and then we'll talk a little more about the national championship game as well. Then in the middle segment, our YouTube roundtable is coming your way, uh, and I have got tremendous guests with insight from Buffalo, Sal Capaccio will be here. Sal Sports of WGR Radio in Buffalo. Love Sal's insight. Sal will be here to talk Bills, their playoff run. They are the two seed. They're leading off wildcard weekend with the first of six games being in Buffalo, their game with the Colts. Sal will have insight on that. Uh, also with me, Grant Paulson uh, from the Grant and Danny Show on uh, WJFK FM Sports Radio in Washington, D.C., and obviously at the time that we were doing the YouTube roundtable was was when this protest began to march to the Capitol and turn violent. We didn't know that while we were taping and talking Washington football team and their playoff hopes after they clinched the NFC East back last Sunday night. I thought the Eagles would come through. On Three Dog Thursday, I didn't know how many Eagles weren't going to play, and then I didn't know that Doug Peterson was going to pull the plug on trying to win the game in the fourth quarter uh, speaking of disgusting things, to not try to win that game, the integrity of all of it. I mean, look at how hard the Jets were playing at L.A. to beat the Rams, how hard they were playing the next week to beat the Cleveland Browns at home and affect both of those teams' potential playoff berth and their playoff seating and their, and keeping them alive or not. You look at how hard the Jets were playing there, and we, we've seen numerous other teams trying to win games at the end of the year. What was it, the, the Bengals beating the Ravens back three years ago in 2017 when Cincinnati had an awful team, and they won at Baltimore with Andy Dalton throwing the winning touchdown on fourth down in the final seconds when the Bengals had nothing to play for and knocked the Ravens out and put the Bills in. You should have some integrity. So anyway, what the Eagles did was wrong. Grant Paulson will be here, though, from the Grant and Danny show on the YouTube roundtable to talk about the Washington football team being in and this matchup with my Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The Bucs are in, baby. We knew that last week. Now we, now we know they are the fifth seed to play Washington. The Bucs in the playoffs for the first time in 13 years. The Browns, it's been 18 years. They'll play the Steelers on Sunday night. And the third member is from the Sports Gambling Podcast Network of Shows, Sean Green, he and Ryan Kramer on the Sports Gambling Podcast do a fantastic job. Sean will be here from L.A. He'll weigh in on all these subjects, plus how will the Rams do in Seattle and if Jared Goff cannot play. We're discussing that on the YouTube roundtable. So again, go find us on YouTube to see what we look like. Not just hear this podcast, but see what we look like on Three Dog Thursday through the YouTube roundtable. Just search Three Dog Thursday and you'll see Sal and Grant 
and uh, Sean Green with me on the podcast uh, via video with YouTube. And a reminder, again, whether you found us through the Sports Gambling Podcast and their network of shows, sportsgamblingpodcast.com, subscribe away, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever your podcasts uh, that you get, uh, on Stitcher, on uh, Radio Public, wherever you find podcasts, subscribe to Three Dog Thursday. It will come automatically to you. Uh, the latest information that I have that uh, the audience grew again for December by the thousands and the thousands and the thousands you have found us. Subscribe, and it will come automatically to you. We still got the playoffs going, baby, for the next four weeks through the Super Bowl. We are all about it on Three Dog Thursday. Uh, So, again, subscribe away. So, uh, lots to get to. And, again, Brian Edwards will be back to talk a little NFL at the very end of the podcast as well. So, some college football with Brian from from MajorWager.com. Then in the middle, the YouTube roundtable exclusively NFL playoffs. And then Brian back talking more NFL playoffs when we are done. Let's get to all of that as we get things underway here. Lots of playoff talk. Let's mix it up and, uh, and get it started right now. Oh, yeah. I've been waiting, waiting, waiting to get the opportunity to talk to our senior handicapper from MajorWager.com and Vegas Insider. Mr. Brian Edwards is back as we have been rolling along so far on Three Dog Thursday, including the last two weekends of bowl games, etc. We only gave you not one, not two, not three, not four, but five underdogs successfully off of this program. Uh, we have not had the chance. First of all, welcome. We're ready for the NFL playoffs to begin. we got a college football playoff championship game with Alabama and Ohio State coming. So welcome. Good to have you, first of all, uh, back here on the program and ready to, to mix it up and make uh, some more underdog selections. How are things? Oh, you know, uh, no internet the last two days. CenturyLink sucks, <laughs> but other than that, Happy New Year. It's going pretty well. Uh yeah, I'm, I'm doing okay. Other All right, than the we're, we're hanging in, we're healthy, we're upright. And, and I was going to say, before we move forward, we you know I do have to say, one of the underdogs I had, the Oklahoma Sooners from a couple of weeks ago, prior to last Wednesday night's uh, Cotton Bowl game, and I know you're still smarting from that. I think you're finally past it a little bit after Oklahoma's big win. In fairness, again, Florida did not have numerous players on either side of the ball, but still, you got to give the Sooners a lot of credit for what they were able to do. And I, and if you listen to me, I had pegged them at plus three back a couple of weeks ago on the show before that line completely flipped around to like minus seven or minus eight by the time they played the game. And man, did the Sooners cover that easily uh, there in that game. So I'm sorry for your, but you should be used to this. I mean, the Gator, the Gators have taken some beatings like in the Sugar Bowl previously uh, to Louisville and Teddy Bridgewater, national title game back about 24, 25 years ago, Nebraska and Tommy Frazier. You've had this happen before. This is not, it's not completely foreign here to a Gator fan, all right? Oh, yeah, we've handed out plenty of ass beatings in Natty games, too. It's up to one to Oklahoma that I was there for in 2008 in South Florida as well. So, it, yeah, you're right. You're right. It has gone, but, uh, it has but, gone both ways, yes. Sure. Um, all right, so with that out of the way, we will get to the semifinal games uh, that were played. And, by the way, kudos uh, to Cincinnati for hanging in there as the group of five top ten or, or top team, and they were a top 10 team uh, for the way they hung in with Georgia until the dogs rallied in the final minutes, kicked the field goal, got the late safety, couldn't get the cover, but Cincinnati acquitted themselves well, and then we saw the semifinal games. 
At the time that we are now taping this, we are off the Heisman Trophy announcement where Devontae Smith beats out uh, from Alabama, the wide receiver, beats out Mac Jones, his quarterback, the teammate, beats out Trevor Lawrence, the Clemson quarterback, and also Kyle Trask, the Florida quarterback. I was I was pining for this. I was saying he deserved it. I, I know maybe I was a bit slanted having seen him in person three times at Bryant-Denny Stadium doing national radio on Compass Media Networks with Tiki Barber watching Alabama play and watching him play. I thought the Heisman got this right, Brian. What are your thoughts now that the award has just been given out? Uh, my thoughts are that I wish I would have gotten a little bit of him at 100-1 to 1 odds at the Westgate Superbook, which is what he opened at this past summer. Uh, or even just, I mean, I know that I think it was going into the LSU game. I think he was still like 25 to 1. I want to say going into the SEC championship game, or maybe uh, maybe it was the Arkansas game the week before. He was, I want to say, even still at double digits, like 10, 12, maybe 15 to 1. I, I'm pretty sure he was down to like plus 180 or 200 going into the SEC game, and then he's been the favorite um, since. But, uh, yeah, I, uh, congrats on anybody who had him in the summer. Uh, I don't know if uh, the Westgate took any action on him, but I did see Ben Fox tweet that out last night that he had opened 100 to 1 at the Westgate. But, yeah, I think they got it right. Um, yeah, how can anybody argue best team and uh, probably the best player on the best team? Well, and what's amazing is Jalen Waddles suffers that uh, that broken leg, and he may, may be able to play in the championship game now come next Monday. But a lot of people believe that Jalen Waddle deserved consideration for the Heisman uh, with, with the fact that he returns kicks and all the big plays. So he goes out, and, and, and Devontae Smith goes center stage for the final five or six games, including, like you mentioned, the LSU game that was in prime time, including the SEC title game that was in prime time, and even the three-touchdown performance against Notre Dame in the semifinal game. I mean, the the guy delivered in every big game they played, and so for the first time since Desmond Howard 1991, we have a, a receiver, a traditional receiver, win the Heisman, and I'm all for the diversity of it here. It doesn't just need to be a quarterback award. We finally got some running backs, a couple of Alabama running backs that won the award recently, but now we, we get a wide receiver in there. It's good that the, that the best player award the best player in college football means more than just the best quarterback, Brian, one more time. Yeah, and frankly, I thought Najee probably should have been in there, uh, you know, before Trevor Lawrence in terms of diversifying it with different positions and not having to be quarterbacks. But, yeah, um, I, I agree with all that. And, and Najee probably should have been higher. And, uh, obviously, I, I, <laughs> I had him. Uh, 35-1. to Interesting. uh, He finished fifth with all those rushing touchdowns, but clearly Smith was so spectacular with all the great plays, the one-handed catch at LSU, the punt return against Arkansas, uh, a couple of great catches in that game with Notre Dame. Let's morph it right into that. The, the underdogs both end up covering. We did not have, neither one of us had Notre Dame or had Ohio State, which we'll get to in a second. Yes, Notre Dame, the backdoor cover with the, with the late touchdown in the final five minutes of the game while being dominated ends up covering on the 20-point underdog situation. Uh, Brian, the floor is yours. Alabama toyed with them, I thought. What were your thoughts as they steamroll into another championship game in the college football playoff? Um, yeah, you know, but I don't, I don't think Notre Dame should be lambasted and scolded. Now, we should probably, as a general rule of thumb, never put two ACC teams in. That's for sure. But uh, I don't know that the result 
would have been any different for anybody other than uh, potentially Ohio State, obviously a full force Florida, maybe a full force Oklahoma, um, but everybody else would have been, you know, beaten by uh, 17 to 24 minimum. So I don't know. I mean, I still think Notre Dame was a top 10 team this year. Uh, and, you know, it was 14 to 7, what, mid-second quarter or what, you know. I mean, they hung around a little bit, not really, but I don't know that anybody was going to hang around a whole lot. Yeah, more on that in a second with the exact matchup with Ohio State. So, uh, again, uh, Alabama does what it has done over and over and over again, and that's win without really being threatened. I mean, the Florida game, yes, the Gators scored a couple of times to get within a touchdown or get within eight points late in the game, but it never had the ball with a chance to tie the game, much less win the game at the end of that one. And other than that, they haven't been challenged, which could get interesting for next Monday night in Miami. So let's talk about what Ohio State did to Clemson, not only covering as the underdog, but really blowing the Tigers out. Uh, I think it was a surprise for most, just to what level. Again, we didn't have the Buckeyes, you and I, on Three Dog Thursday. How surprised were you at how easily Ohio State especially offensively, moved the ball and scored on Clemson? Yeah, I, I was definitely surprised in, in the manner that they handed out that pimp slap. I was shocked. Uh, I wasn't surprised that Ohio State, you know, had the lead or, or would win the game. But the fact that they would, you know, just dominate so thoroughly in every facet of the game uh, – that was wild. And then I thought, you know, Dabo, I thought he coached a horrible game. I mean, you're down three touchdowns. You're not going for it late third quarter on fourth down. You're running the football. You got the, you know, everybody talks about what a generational talent Trevor Lawrence is and you're down 21 and you're, you're running the ball on first and second down. And it's just <laughs> like, what are you doing, dude? Right. And uh, yeah. It was well, it was and another another thing that has been brought up, and, and Ryan Day was making reference to this, the Ohio State coach from the Fiesta Bowl that they played against Clemson last year and from watching more Clemson games, uh, he didn't come right out and say it, but he made it very clear by implication. He believes that Brent Venables and the Clemson staff were doing some Belichickian Spygate-type stuff and stealing signs, and one of the ways they combated that was basically standing around and then suddenly running up to the line of scrimmage before Clemson could get set or look at a formation. They did that repeatedly and, and caught them off guard without them being able to know what is the play from the play being signaled in and then the Clemson defense getting a hand signal or something, a code word from their sideline about what defense to play. Uh, that That's pretty interesting. I mean, there's some stuff out there on the Internet and on social media with some people that had some All-22 video uh, raw and just kept showing it over and over again where Clemson on a couple of their uh, a couple of the big touchdowns they gave up they weren't ready they weren't in position they didn't know what to do and it bolsters Day's argument does it not that that some shenanigans may very well have been going on with sign stealing here and that when they didn't have the sign they looked like a very ordinary disorganized defense well I don't really care about you know if you're stealing the signs and if you're getting your signs stolen you know this isn't baseball this is football if you're, you're getting your signs stolen that that's on you if somebody is spending the time and effort to steal them you need to be a little more uh, uh, guarded about them so I, I could care less about or about huddle that. up if I can interject or huddle up that's another sure, way yeah, to solve sure, that sure. and get the and get the play all, in that all way that. right all that yep. 
And yeah. s- but still, we got to give Justin Fields credit. And again, he got cracked in the first half of, of that game and, and yet still played on uh, and, and threw the ball exceptionally well, even in the second half. Again, I make mention uh, for the third straight podcast, I worked the Big Ten title game with Tiki Barber. They had nowhere near the dynamic pass game. How, how much of that was Olave not being there against Northwestern? How much of it is Northwestern's defense is pretty good? How much of it was Justin Fields' his thumb was maybe bothering him? I saw none of that, Brian, in person at Lucas Oil Stadium in the Big Ten title game. But my Lord, did they unload the arsenal with him throwing the ball, especially deep in this game with Clemson. So let me let me uh, take it to now next Monday night as we start to look at this game. Does that give you some belief that they can do some of that to Alabama because Florida threw on Alabama? Does it give you some belief that the Ohio State we saw in the Sugar Bowl can do some of that and hang in with the Tide? Oh, yeah. Look, if, if Ohio State play, you know, Fields had the game of his life, and the the fact that he did it when you know he was in so much agony. I mean, I'm sure he got some sort of shot at halftime, but, I mean, just all the props in the world to him. No, I don't think you can overstate how brilliant he was uh, in that game. And Trey Sermon, how much money has that dude made the last eight quarters of football? My gosh, he just <laughs> looks like a grown man among boys. And, uh Let's be let's be clear on this. If Ohio State plays like they played against Clemson, they're going to win this game. Mm. Um, I don't think they're going to be able to duplicate that performance, however. And, and I would leave a little wiggle room that Alabama could score a touchdown on every possession and still win if Ohio State's offense played that way. But their defense played great as well. Um, with all that said, um, you know, like I, I literally remember the cameras like being on Devontae Smith and maybe Najee or maybe Mac Jones as the game ended. And they're just like, you know, they're just kind of like walking off the field. Like, whereas, you know, Ohio State, it was a huge celebration. And I get it. You know, it was a huge revenge win. And Dabo had kind of, you know, ruffled their feathers. I get all that. But, you know, Alabama was just like, you know, it's like they were putting for par, you know, and they're, you know, they they got other things. They weren't doing any celebrating or the anything. Phrase, you know what I mean? The so, phrase that I'm thinking when you're saying that is act like you've been there before and they've been there right. before a bunch. And that's that's what they acted right. like, especially from a Najee Harris and a Devontae Smith that have been there over and over and over again in these big games. That's your point. Right. Yeah, totally. And, and look, I'm not ready to predict the, predict the game one way or the other because I want to – I want to know more about Jalen Waddle, and, and I've had rib injuries before, and I want to know more about Fields because I know the, the last time I had rib injuries, I mean, I was still, still in agony rolling over in bed or sneezing three, four months later. Right. And, I, I mean, I would think he's going to be in way worse shape in the next month than he was that night in New Orleans. And, you know, whether they can give him a shot and he can suck it up again, you know, but he obviously showed us he can do that. So maybe it won't be a factor, but um, I'd like to see, you know, I don't, you know, we got, we got some variables that we need to work out before I'm making a pick. And certainly with the COVID situation, we don't even know if they're going to play this Monday, although at the moment it appears they are. Well, and again, we're taping this on uh, a Wednesday for release on Three Dog Thursday, and you're not going to get a lot of information because, again, the schools don't have to do this. This is not the NFL. They don't have to talk about those injuries, Justin Fields' injury, the COVID situations. We'll learn more later on in the week. 
Uh, I, I believe, I firmly put this on social media, the college football playoff was adamant about staying on schedule. You play with who you have, that unless it was a drastic situation in their guidelines, like you're without your top seven offensive linemen or you're without an entire position group like your defensive line or something like that, that they would not even consider it. So I believe that game plays uh, no matter what on Monday night. That's that's the time window they have held for national TV. I know there's an argument that you could play it the next Monday night the same way, but by then you're also deep in the throes of the NFL playoffs too, and there's a concern about that. So in any event, uh, we'll, we'll just say to the audience, keep it locked in on Brian's social media at Vegas B. Edwards, Major Wager Uno. Uh, for more on the injury information and the betting trends. Uh, it is a revenge game for Alabama after having been beaten different players and a different coaching staff at Ohio State with Ryan Day now running it instead of Urban Meyer. But it's a revenge for Alabama from the first co- college football playoff when Ohio State beat them and went on to win the national title uh, against Oregon. Uh, so now you have this in Miami. And, uh, and we should make mention at Hard Rock Stadium, I was there, I've made mention uh, previously here, I think last week, I was there in 2013, BCS title game, when Alabama just rocked Notre Dame's world for the title. They have a good experience uh, from having been in, uh, in South Florida for one of these championship games. Again, different players. That was A.J. McCarron and Eddie Lacy and Amari Cooper and, and some others on the defensive side of the ball, Dante Hightower and others. Um, but let's just see what happens there uh, for Monday um, for this. Uh, Just one more on all the variables. We know Steve Sarkeesian took the Texas job. A... Uh, what's your what's your take on that? They they fired Tom Herman, owing him twenty million. They hire Sarkeesian. Give me the take on that. And then, how do you think if it does this affects Alabama and the offensive game plan and the play calling and all of that come next Monday night? We've seen so many scenarios like this. It's, I mean, ballots how it's happened in Alabama like five or six times. I mean, we've seen the bad end of it, which the the ideal one was when Chris Winkie. Uh, was was the Heisman winner, and Mark Rick took the Georgia job. I know I'm going way back here, but Mark Rick took, took the Georgia job. He stayed to coach the Knowles, and they got bageled. I mean, it was 13-2 to two was the final, but that was because the Oklahoma long snapper snapped a punt over the head. <laughs> but then we've seen you know, it work out fine. You know, Bob Pelini was going to Nebraska in 07, and he still coached the defense for LSU. They smashed Ohio State. I mean, we've seen – and then there was Kiffin coached the Washington game, and then – Saves told him to just kick rocks, and I think he gave over the play call in the start. Then, so we've seen Saban uh, do it and handled it fine. Uh, but we see, well, the offense was fine. They did lose one of those games to Clemson uh, and Deshaun Watson, but we've seen it work both ways. So, I mean, I think that Alabama will probably be be fine uh on that and look if they get Jalen Waddle back that's just another weapon and it makes their offense such insanity and the and the Kiffin comparison is interesting because what infuriated Saban was that Kiffin had been gone uh at that time uh taking the head coaching job at Florida Atlantic and and had not been at practices and then was just basically out of it on game night because he was calling plays that they had not worked on and and that's what Saban was infuriated about. Even in the Washington win, a decisive win, uh, he just saw that disconnect and said, you're, you're calling things we haven't worked on here, and you can't expect them to suddenly click and, and work. Call the ones that we have worked on that you were supposed to be keeping track of. 
I don't know. I think Sarkeesian has probably learned from that because he was on the staff, like you mentioned, and he got installed for that title game. So we'll we'll see how that part works, but it it's another distraction. And he also dealt with it, as you know, Brian, when Kirby Smart left and took the Georgia job, but he stuck around and coached as well. So it, this is not the first rodeo for Nick Saban uh, to deal with that. One more on the line, and again, you don't – you're not making a commitment now as we release Three Dog Thursday, the game on Monday night. Do you believe the line is where it should be at around eight or nine points? We were talking about that last week. It opened up at like seven and a half midweek again a few days before the game. And I think a lot of it is the uncertainty on the injury to Fields and can he play and blah, blah, blah. Is the line about where you think it should be right now as we release this podcast? Um, I, I think in the seven, eight range, uh, is fair. You know, if I thought fields was a hundred percent and, you know, the ribs weren't bothering him and that Waddle wasn't going to play or be much of a factor, I'd probably say seven is the right line. Um, but with, you know, with the COVID potential and, you know, the initial report from the AL.com guys was that it was potentially a, a whole position group. Now, what does that mean? Three defensive tackles, or, or does that mean, you know, five O linemen? So, yeah, we, there's so many variables that we're, we're unsure about. It may not know until within an hour of the game. But, uh, you know, gen, I mean, look, because of those variables, I'm probably going to be leaning Alabama, especially if it's seven and a half. I can buy the half point to seven. Uh, but we'll see. I don't, yep. I have, I'm not – Stay tuned. A lot more to still learn here, including Fields' status, which, again, we likely aren't going to know uh, how hurt he is or isn't. We will find out uh, in the, let in me, the coming days. Let me days. throw out one more, TJ. Yeah, sure. Uh, Alabama in the first half this year have covered eight in a row, and they're 10-2, and two, and this Alabama minus four spread in the first half, or some books may be four and a half or five. That is their lowest first half spread of the year. And you've been all over that. I mean, week after week, you were saying it before the SEC title game. You were saying it before the Notre Dame game. Be all over Alabama on the first half lines because they usually get rolling in the second uh, quarter. Of course, the second quarter is where Ohio State kicked it into gear against Clemson. Uh, Again, this ain't Clemson. This ain't Notre Dame. We'll see what they can do with Alabama or can't do in this one. Brian, stand by. More with you later in the podcast. More on the NFL as we go along here. Uh, as uh, as Three Dog Thursday unfolds. We're looking forward to our YouTube roundtable coming up straight ahead here as well with Sal Capaccio in Buffalo, Grant Paulson in D.C., and Sean Green of the Sports Gambling Podcast out in Los Angeles. Lots of playoff talk is coming up. But first, let's talk about our friends at WinBet as you've got a chance with this brand-new sponsor on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network of Shows to get a $500 risk-free bet. You want to know how to do it? Send in your first win bet screenshot to this email address, podcast at sportsgamblingpodcast.com, and get a free T-shirt. And then tons of boosted bets, including a wheel spin to boost parlays that's perfect for our guys, the DGENs only, that are part of the Sports Gambling Podcast. WinBet is currently online in New Jersey, Colorado, and Michigan, and coming soon in more states along the way. If WinBet isn't active in your state, you still get the free shirt by referring a friend. And again, screenshot that WinBet first bet to podcast at sportsgamblingpodcast.com to get it done. Find out more as well at sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash win. That is sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash W-Y-N-N. Take advantage of a $500 risk-free bet. 
That is, if you're in New Jersey, Colorado, or Michigan, take advantage with WinBet. We are also brought to you in part by BetterThan.Vegas. It's an all-new, completely free website sharing thousands of handicapping videos. It's like YouTube, but it's for what the DGENs only care about. Of course, the DGENs only all part of the Sports Gambling Podcast, the network fleet of shows. The best part is you get to watch all the video picks from the Sports Gambling Podcast network crew and what they're posting exclusively over on BetterThan.Vegas. They cover all sports, the NFL, college football, college basketball nba will be here soon as well if the free video picks aren't enough they're giving away cash one thousand dollars to the handicapper that wins the most units and a thousand dollars to the handicapper that has the most followers make sure you subscribe on the sports gambling podcast network page sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash btv better than vegas btv sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash btv so you don't miss out on any of these videos head over to better than dot vegas that's better than dot vegas to see more we are also brought to you in part by Betor Edge, the stock exchange for sports bets, allowing you to buy and sell betting positions just like the stock market. And the best part is it allows you to bet with no VIG. And since you're buying the positions from other sports bettors, there's no house. You can play for money in up to 40 states right now. And we have a weekly contest going from our listeners as part of the Sports Gambling Podcast Network of Shows. This week, the SGP wildcard wager is a $10 entry fee. And each user starts with a balance of $1,000 to wager on multiple events. The player with the highest earnings will take the entire pool of the entry fees. So sign up today for this contest at BetterEdge.com. Use our promo code SGP and get the free $10 bet. That's BetterEdge, B-E-T-T-O-R, Edge.com, slash SGP. And if you've ever thought of owning your own sportsbook but you didn't know how, Ace Per Head is here to help you start it up. They'll provide you with an all-inclusive professional betting site with all the lines updated up to the second and wagers graded immediately. They've got top-notch customer service going 24-7, some of the sharpest lines in the industry, and plus... Ace Per Head also has live betting and a great mobile experience. You can get started today. Ace is offering six weeks free, by the way. Go to aceperhead.com slash SGP. That's aceperhead.com slash SGP to find out more. The dogs are barking. Who will get it done this week? Three Dog Thursday now continues. Here again is T.J. Reeves. Well, well, well. It is the postseason. It is the playoffs. And we're back in here on Three Dog Thursday on the YouTube video roundtable. Not only if you're hearing us, uh, however you found us, through a social media link or through Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts. Come see what the fellas look like. Well, maybe you don't want to see what they look like, but hey. Come check it out anyway. Uh, here is part of the YouTube roundtable. Search Three Dog Thursday on YouTube. See what we look like on the roundtable. Let me introduce my uh, distinguished postseason guest, Sal Capaccio. Sal Sports on social media from WGR Radio in Buffalo. Sideline brother from another mother with the Buffalo Bills. It's playoffs, baby. How are you? Pretty good, man. It's playoffs in Buffalo. I haven't had this since 1996. It's been a long, long time, guys. 
<laughs> That's true. He's been in the playoffs, but not a home game uh, right. with that. We'll just kind of go clockwise, or I guess this would be backwards, counterclockwise here on the Zoom. Grant Paulson, uh, who is on middays on the FM Sports Station WJFK in D.C., the Grant and Danny show. Uh, they kill it uh, there in the D.C. market. Good to have the young Jedi from my Sirius XM days. Now I'm going way back, like 15 years ago when he was a young Jedi. He's not so young anymore. He's married. He's got a kid. He's now a full Jedi. I don't know what to think. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm ready for the postseason. And yet, it maybe hasn't been quite as long of a drought since a home playoff game, but Washington and the playoffs have not been best friends here over the years. Just six playoff appearances, four division titles since 1991. So they are back in the mix, and people here are very, very excited, despite. Yes, no doubt. A 7-9 so, record to win a bad. Yeah, to win that division. There's no doubt there's been a drought in Tampa Bay, too, of some 13 years. Also with us from the Sports Gambling Podcast, their network of shows, uh, the Sports Gambling Podcast, uh, a phenomenal 2020 as we flip the calendar to 2021. Sean Green, he and Ryan Kramer on that uh, podcast, we bow to you guys and all of the knowledge. <laughs> the hashtag is DGENs only for degenerates only. You have been killing it for the DGENs at the end of 2020 and hope to continue in the postseason, right? Yeah, no, I mean, not to toot my own horn, but uh, 60% on my NFL locks this year. And then uh, Kramer and I, we entered the Odd Shark Capper Cup uh, with a bunch of other, like, you know, handicappers, and we came in third place in that out of a, a pretty big field. So, Feeling good going into the playoffs, and I mean, I'm just stoked to have six playoff games to bet on in one weekend. I've been trying to give my wife the heads up of like, it's going to be all day Saturday, it's going to be all day Sunday, it's unprecedented, so really excited to talk football and then watch a bunch of football. Oh, no doubt. And yeah, it's, it's kind of like the NCAA tournament for those first couple of days. Uh, you know, it's lunchtime. And you're not going to see me again until like Saturday while that's going on. And hopefully we get that again coming in March. All right. So the NFL is here. And again, we got different perspectives from Buffalo to the D.C. area and all the way West Coast where Sean is in Los Angeles, even though he's an Eagles guy, as you know, if you listen to the Sports Gambling Podcast, I promise I will keep Grant and Sean as separated as possible for the ending of that game uh, the other night. Of course, the Eagles have a bigger problem with Peterson. <laughs> I got no point. problem with Sean. I, I'd like to catch <laughs> yeah. him. Yeah. yeah, exactly. The, the, the yeah, Washington football I, the, team got the what Giants, The Giants fans are the ones that have been, uh, you know, blowing up my mentions <laughs> and yelling at me. So uh, Grant and I are on the same team here. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. All right, so let's get to it. Let's start first uh, here with uh, Sal. And looky here, the Buffalo Bills. Uh, you're not like in the background, where's Waldo, on the photo that we're looking at on the YouTube roundtable on the punt return against Miami last week. But you can see the celebration on the faces behind as Isaiah McKenzie took that punt return in. What a season for the Bills, Sal. Give me some more on the finish up here as the Bills finish as the East champions, first time since the mid-90s, and the two-seed. Hello. Yeah, well, first of all, you know, you guys are there talking about droughts and you only have six playoff games in so many years. You guys are drinking out of a garden hose for compared to what we've been like here in Buffalo for 20 years, okay? I mean, this is unbelievable. It's unprecedented for really this generation of Bills fans and Bills Mafia, TJ. It's incredible, you know, what this team has done to, to really kind of keep this city moving through this entire pandemic and, you know, people feeling good about it. As you guys know, you know, we are all about our Buffalo Bills here in Buffalo. And when you're from Buffalo, it's about a few things. It's chicken wings, 
it's snow, and it's the Buffalo Bills, really. And when the Sabres are good, it's about them, too. But that's who we are. We're not L.A. or Chicago or Washington or Philadelphia. You know, we love our team so much here. And, and I think this team really encapsulates what Buffalo Bills football has become. That picture you just showed, you see those people in the background pulling for each other, cheering for each other. This is a true family here, and that's really what Bill's Mafia has been about and why they've embraced this team so much. And really, now that we finally we, – we wandered through the wilderness for 20 years trying to find a quarterback here, and finally Josh Allen comes along. And for all the people who thought that this kid was going to be a bust and he was never going to work out – here he is in the MVP discussion of the league. It truly is about, you know, Josh Allen and what he's been able to accomplish, breaking records left and right. And I will tell you guys, this team is set up for a long run. They're set up for success. Sean McDermott, Brandon Bean, what they've brought here, they have their franchise quarterback. They now have contract extensions in place. They have a young roster, a locked-in roster. Uh, this is now the Buffalo Bills taking over the AFC East. What you saw two Monday nights ago in New England, that wasn't just a beatdown of the Patriots. That was a coronation to who's going to be in charge here, I think, in this division. I promise I'm going to loop Grant and Sean in, but i got to ask one more here of Sal. At what point, and maybe it was that Patriots game, or maybe it was the Sunday night game with the Steelers, did you begin to accept this team is good enough to win the division? This team is good enough to contend for the AFC? At, at what point here along the way did you really believe at that point? Well, you know, I, I personally picked them to actually go to the AFC Championship game this year because I thought that, that New England would be down. You know, it's about New England being down and Buffalo being up at the same time. I think that had to coincide with each other. But I think for most fans, for me, really, when, when, when they beat Seattle here at home and they really got after Russell Wilson, they picked him off a few times, and all of a sudden you have the Seattle team that's scoring all these points, and sure they did. But what happened was, guys, the Bills won a shootout. We just haven't been able to do that here in Buffalo, leaning on defense and special teams for years. And when we finally said, wait a minute, this team can shoot out with anybody in the league. I think that was the turning point there to show they can play football in this type of environment, how you need to play to win games in, in, in 2021. And the Bills are doing that, and the Bills get ready to host a playoff game uh, coming up with the Indianapolis Colts on Saturday to lead off the six games of this weekend. Grant, I promise we're going to save Buccaneers and Washington football team for just a second. I'm going to swing all the way out west. Left Coast, Sean Green is based there with the Sports Gambling Podcast. Let's talk Rams for a second because they were scrambling to get in without their quarterback, Sean. And, and I'll go ahead and, uh, and likewise on the YouTube uh, roundtable here, we'll share the screen and let you take a look at the Rams having to play John Walford. Hello, last <laughs> week in place of Jared Goff to gut out the win over the Cardinals and just get in. What is the talk in Southern California? You're in and around there. You've been there for years. I know the Rams were in the Super Bowl a couple of years ago, but what is the talk right now with Goff, his injury status, and Walford having to quarterback the game, Sean? Yeah, you know, I mean, if you listen to the uh, podcast last week, one of my lock of, of the week was uh, the Rams getting three points against the Cardinals. Now, certainly uh, Kyler Murray getting hurt and knocked out of the game helped that bet, but I, I thought they had a really good chance. I was kind of high on, on Wolford overall. I followed him in the AF. I mean, we were picking a ton of games in the AF, and I thought he could come in and manage the offense with Sean McVay. And, you know, I, I, they, it, Goff's status is up in the air for Sunday. But I think a storyline that pe not enough people are talking about is they're getting a lot of their key guys back, Cooper Cup, Michael Brockers, and now it looks like they're going to get their left tackle, Andrew Whitworth, back. So I think that is huge for this Rams team heading up to Seattle. It's always a dogfight between these two. So I don't know if losing golf is really so huge. We'll see how Wolford does on the road, certainly at home against the Arizona defense. 
that didn't have any film on him is a much more favorable option than starting your first playoff game. And of course, a quarterback starting their first playoff game 15-34-1 and one against the spread all time. So uh, we'll see what, how Wolford does. Obviously, whether he plays or not, it's a big story. All right. So again, that is a Saturday afternoon game kind of in the sandwich. We're going like right down the line. It's first Buffalo, then the Rams and the Seahawks. And then Grant Paulson, we get to the B-U-C-C-A-N-B-E-R-S Go Bucks at Washington. Now, I was on with you uh, on Wednesday before the Three Dog Thursday podcast. You guys kind of handled me with kid gloves. You didn't try to beat me up too much on the Buccaneers' bad end of the schedule uh, with the four teams they played. But I comically have been saying to everybody, this is nothing new if they're going to play Washington with a 7-9 and nine record. This is the same type of competition they've been playing against right. the Vikings and the Lions and the Falcons twice. All right, defend the honor of the football team, please, Grant. Go ahead. No, I don't think you're that wrong. I mean, they're not playing a juggernaut. And, and here is the problem for Washington is that while their defense is not only formidable but at times dominant, they've averaged giving up 4.4 points in the second half over the last 11 games under Jack Del Rio. They finished second in yardage and fourth in scoring. They're a sensational group led by a really strong pass rush. Everyone knows that they have five first-round picks up front. Ryan Kerrigan, who this year became the all-time leader in sacks for the organization, has become their third outside linebacker, defensive end, kind of edge rusher now in a 4-3 front, using those ends. Montez Sweat, nine sacks. Chase Young headed to the Pro Bowl as a rookie, maybe their best defensive player. But they have a terrible offense, and that's not going to change this weekend. They cannot throw the ball that effectively. Uh, They've had the worst quarterback situation in a division with bad quarterback situations this year. They've released Dwayne Haskins. Alex Smith's an amazing story, and nationally people love talking about how he quote-unquote wins football games. They're 5-1 and when he starts. They've won largely in spite of him. He had a great game against Pittsburgh. Uh, That's kind of the list in terms of the the six games that they've won where he's been the reason why they won. So they have to do what they've done all year, and that's win in spite of an offense that is inept, and it doesn't move the ball that effectively. they got a couple really good players that are going to be good in the future. Terry McLaurin at wide receiver is a future pro bowler. Antonio Gibson, they drafted at 66 overall, had double-digit rushing touchdowns this year, is I think going to be a stalwart in the running game for years to come. But it just hadn't materialized yet. And, and this is how bad it is, guys, at quarterback right now for Washington. I've been taking calls on D.C. radio all week, and, and I'm telling you there have been more calls from people that want them to play Taylor Heineke, who has one career start, and was out of football a month ago than Alex Smith, just based on what they've seen from him lately. He's not playing at 100%. His calf's bothering him. He's become immobile. So it's gotten really, really ugly. And, oh, by the way, the Bucks like to get after the quarterback. So yes, the are. matchup is not ideal. But if Washington hangs with them and wins, it's going to be because they generate a ton of pressure, get some sacks, some hurries, things like that. All right, we'll see if they are able to do that. All right, so that's the voice of Grant Paulson. Again, uh, Grant uh, with the uh, Grant and Danny show on WJFK-FM in Washington, D.C. Sal Capaccio is here, WGR Radio in Buffalo. Sean Green, the Sports Gambling Podcast and Sports Gambling Podcast Network of Shows, sportsgamblingpodcast.com. They are my guest. It is the YouTube Roundtable. If you're only hearing us once again, come check us out on YouTube via Three Dog Thursday. Search Three Dog Thursday on YouTube. You'll find what we look like. All right, I want opinions from all of you. Again, I'm in the bag for the Buccaneers, so you know where I'm coming from on, uh, on what we're about to show you. So this is why I want the guests to give me their thoughts. As I share the screen, Sal Capaccio, go first. Good idea or bad idea that Chase Young 
was leaving the field the other night in Philadelphia saying, I want Tom, Tom Brady, I want Tom. Is that a good thing to fire your own team up, or is that a bad thing asking for Godzilla? Your opinion, sir? Uh, I think Tom Brady's approach is probably more like that's cute, really, <laughs> than to fire him up, to be quite honest with you. I mean, if it's Tom Brady, I mean, come on. Uh, it's, it, 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 I don't think it's a good idea. But I don't think it really matters here, to be honest with you. Hey, there's one guy that can back up his play. It's Chase Young. He's incredible, right? But, I mean, you know, why, why poke the bear? It's, it's more of a bad idea than a good idea, but I don't think Tom Brady cares. He's so consistent in his approach that he's probably just looking at it over and going, okay, kid, I mean, you had your moment. True. Sean Green, I don't want to taint this with anything I might say. Good idea, bad idea. Uh, yeah, no, I, I'm kind of with Sal. I, I, it's probably not on uh, Brady's radar. He's probably worried about – making sure he doesn't eat a strawberry and his sugar uh, goes up too much. So he's got his, he, he's got his mind elsewhere. And again, as this, uh, you know, Washington's coming in as a scrappy underdog. And I guess if you're a Washington football team fan, you're talking yourselves into the idea that a Tom Brady has struggled with teams in the NFC, my Eagles, the giants, of course, in the playoffs, and especially with teams that have a pass rush and that is, especially, you know, that's what Washington football team specializes in. So that is, that's their, you know, that's their only hope. And that is uh, Brady's weakness. So I think that's what they're hanging on to. We're looking on screen on the YouTube roundtable at TB12 uh, in the pewter on pewter outfit last week against the Falcons. Grant Paulson, you've been fielding calls. What do you think? What do the Skins fans think of, of you know, look, look, Chase Young is confident that he's going to be able to get after any quarterback, including the future uh, first ballot Hall of Famer. But what do you think and what does your audience think? Yeah, I mean, a couple things, right? So he didn't go to the podium in a press conference and say that he's guaranteeing a win, right? That would be a different conversation. He didn't go to the podium and say, I wouldn't want to be Tom Brady and have to play us. I mean, he's running off the field after winning the division, exuberant next to one of his buddies from Ohio State, and he shouts out that he wants to play Tom Brady. Number one, I've got a pet peeve, which is when guys are mic'd up and or on camera in natural moments, and then we pick apart what they say. It, this is different than in a press conference when you're answering a question. So I, I have no issue with it at all. I mean, it's just a sure. guy being happy coming off the field. Number two, he didn't say anything bad. I mean, he didn't, he didn't, again, he didn't guarantee a win. He said he wants to play Tom Brady. The, Mr. Brady, is it okay if I take the field with you, sir? <laughs> <laughs> do I have the honor of requesting permission to play against you, sir? Like, no, sorry. It's, he's a football player. He happens to be a really good one and one of the best quarterbacks ever. But I, what is Chase Young supposed to do? Not want to play Tom Brady? Not be excited you. about that? So, to me, much ado about nothing. If a Washington football player guarantees a win, that would be really ridiculous. I don't think that's going to happen. Should point out, again, I pointed this out numerous different places, and we bring it up here again on the YouTube roundtable. The Buccaneers have never been an eight-point favorite in any playoff game. They ain't, Sal used to live down here in this area, and then he got dumb and moved back to Buffalo to freeze to death and dig out of the snow. But Sal <laughs> knows this, brother. The Bucs have never been favored by eight in a playoff game against anybody, even in the Super Bowl years, much less on the road. They've never been a road favorite ever in their long well, not that long history of about a half dozen or so road playoff games. They've never been favored in any of them, yet Vegas, and this is what we do, Sean Green with the Sports Gambling Podcast and Three Dog Thursday, the odds makers think this is the Bucks and the Bucks big. In fact, let's take a look at that uh, right now while we're talking about this. 
Uh, by the way, free plug for one of our sponsors that's brand new. Sean will be proud of me, WinBet. And you're taking a look at their website at winbet.com and go download the app for WinBet. We were doing the ad just a little while ago here on Three Dog Thursday. The WinBet odds are out. Uh, and we can take a look at those odds right here in the middle of the screen on YouTube. There it is, Tampa Bay, a nine-point favorite, Sean Green, right now, according to WinBet, midweek. Uh, the line did open around six and a half or seven most places, but people continuing to bet Buccaneers. Sean, a quick thought there on, yeah. uh, on the Bucs, favorite that big? Yeah, well, I think a couple of things are going on here. You, you talked about uh, Tampa Bay not historically being a road favorite like that. And usually it's because Tampa Bay's warm weather team and they're going to most likely to play a cold weather game outdoors. I think something that's a little different this year is obviously Tom Brady, Rob Gronkowski, Antonio Brown. They all have playoff experience in cold weather. So this isn't, you know, a warm weather quarterback or even your traditional warm weather team. So I think they have that going for them. And the line movement from six and a half to nine, I mean, A, some of that's just the public loading up on this Bucks team because they don't think Washington has a chance. But I think head coach Ron Rivera coming out and suggesting that they may have to do uh, rotating drives between Alex Smith and uh, Taylor Hanecki or Heineken or however you pronounce his last name. I, I haven't gotten it figured out yet. <laughs> Only two weeks in. It's the fact that he announced that that could be a real possibility, I think it's a red flag for their offense and for betters. Interesting. All right. So, uh, boys, any thought on that? Because Sal's got his hand up yeah, on the Bucks I, being favored by eight and a half or nine. Well, it's, it's funny, you know, to point that out with Sean, right? And, and he's right because, I mean, I am old enough to remember, and TJ, you remember, when the talking point in Tampa was this team, this organization never won a game in 40 degrees or colder. That's and they right. finally did, and they wound up winning a Super Bowl. I mean, I mean, that's, that's, that's what happens, right? Um, but that whole thing you talked about, too, with Chase Young, you know what it reminded me of was, the Juju Smith-Schuster stuff. Nobody cares until it actually matters after the game, right? I mean, Juju Smith-Schuster is dancing on logos the whole year, and he comes to Buffalo, loses, and everybody makes a big deal. If they had beaten the Bills, no one would have said anything. But because they lost, it became a big deal. So if the Bucks win, all of a sudden, hey, Chase Young shouldn't have done that, right? I, we, we like to have these things. It's just like the warm weather thing. It's just like 40-degree thing. It only matters until it matters. That's true. I'll jump in real quick, too, on the, on the spread, if I can. To me, Washington, having watched them all year, very predictable offensively, not in terms of what they do, but in terms of what they're going to provide. They're going to get you about 17 points tops in this game. They just don't have the firepower to go beyond that. There's nothing easy for them. There are no chunk yardage plays. The downfield vertical passing game to Terry McLaurin is largely gone as he's banged up and Smith has a hard time driving off that back leg. So it's a lot of 12, 13 play drives or nothing. And it's just too hard to do that when you're under talented. And so what you see from them is somewhere between 14 and 19 points pretty much every single week. The weeks where they're above that, either they got a couple short fields on takeaways or the defense scored. And what I see with this line, nine points or so, is Vegas is saying basically, I don't think they hold Tampa Bay to less than 27 or something like that. To me, that's what this game is. It's 27-17-ish, something around there. So it makes a lot of sense to me. I just think betters look at this and say, can Washington score with the Bucs if they have to? Like, if, if you score 20 points against Washington, you win generally. And if you score 24, it's curtains. And, and I think the thought is that the Bucs, with all their firepower, all their weapons, the ability to run it when they try to, which doesn't happen very often, I think all those things say that they are going to be able to score that requisite mid-20s points. 
Love the young Jedi, Grant Paulson, although, again, he's now the full Jedi, on in D.C. Uh, weekday afternoons on WJFK. Again, Sean Green, Sports Gambling Podcast, Sal Capaccio with me, WGR Radio in Buffalo, if you're only hearing us. Once more, find us on the YouTube roundtable. Before we get out of here, do I sneak an underdog prediction out of each of you guys, if you have one here for Three Dog Thursday? Sean is nodding along. I'll defer to you first. Uh, Mr. Green, what do you like here out of the out of the six games where Indianapolis, the Rams, uh, the football team, the uh, Titans, the Bears, and the Browns are the underdogs here as we look at the list again on screen? What do you like for an underdog, Sean? Well, we just taped our uh, AFC playoff picks episode that just dropped, and my dog on that episode was the Tennessee Titans. I, I love them as a home dog. I, well, one, I think three and a half is too much, and I, I think they have a good chance to win outright against this Ravens team. Like, the Ravens team, uh, they do a great job of, of really beating up inferior opponents, and this, this Titans team, they, granted they've had some issues on defense, but they've had issues – uh, on the defensive side with like letting up a ton of passing yards, you know, quarterbacks that can throw for three, 400 yards. I think you struggle with teams like that. And Lamar Jackson just isn't that guy of holding Lamar Jackson only 51 yards rushing the first time they played earlier this season. And, you know, Lamar Jackson versus the big game is still a, a, a pretty big storyline. I like this Tennessee Titans team at home with Derrick Henry, who's just been, I mean, you know, it was a uh, D Henber to remember. And he is, he's just a beast. I think they can control the ball. I think they can limit the Ravens' offense because, you know, granted their defense is really bad, but I, I think they're going to have trouble keeping pace with this high-powered Tennessee Titans offense that has a ton of playoff experience and a ton of confidence. So I love them as a home dog, getting a three-and-a-half, but even to win outright. All right, so Sean plugs away there for the Sports Gambling Podcast. Loves Tennessee. Quickly, guys, uh, Sal, uh, I, I know you're not, you're not going to take the Indianapolis Colts, but besides that, uh, is there another underdog that sticks out? I like Tennessee as well. Uh, you remember last year, 28-12, to 12, they beat them. I mean, they beat the Ravens in the playoffs last year. This is a team that's balanced on, on offense. If you do shut Derrick Henry down, they do have the ability to throw the ball. They have great receivers, Ryan Tannehill, and, you know, I, I think they could do that. But if, to go away from Sean because he took them, I'll say if Jared Goff plays, I do like the Rams, I think, to, to keep this one close because – the Seahawks offense just isn't what it was, guys. It was, isn't what it was first half of the year. Russell Wilson is no longer in the MVP consideration and talk. So, you know, you want to give me four to five points, maybe whatever it is for the Rams, if Jared Goff's playing, I think they keep that game close. I know their offense isn't as good either, but I, I think that game is closer than that. Interesting yeah, that it's I, only – go ahead, Grant, but it's, it's hovering at three and a half, even with the question mark about I'll, golf. I'll take, That's I'll interesting. I'll take the field goal plus, yes. This. I, I Grant, like go the, ahead. the idea of the Rams. I really do. Because I think whoever plays their defense is great. And I actually tend to be with Sean on Wolford. I was a little disappointed, frankly, with how he played. Maybe it's unrealistic of me to have felt like he should have given them more than he did. But uh, maybe I was spoiled by the first throw and the pick and kind of being uh, regretful and going, oh, okay, this is bad. But you I'll, were I'll spoiled by his big performances for the Arizona Hot Shots in the AAF a year and a half ago. <laughs> Admit it, Grant. Come on. You were spoiled yeah, by that. Very well could be. No, it, it's honestly, it's a little bit less to do with him and more to do with Goff. I think Goff is kind of a jag and, and holds them back at times. So I, I don't know how difficult it is to replace him in that offense. But it's a bad environment playing in the playoffs. So I'll, I'll do this at the risk of Sal swinging on me here. The Colts are a tough out. I mean, they, they really are. They, the way that they're running the ball right now with Jonathan Taylor, the defense that they play 
They make short tackles in the open field. They're going to force you to go on long drives. I think Buffalo's a good matchup because they're short intermediate passing game and being able to, to chew up some conversions with Stephon Diggs you know, and their receivers running crossers works. But I, I do believe that Josh Allen's going to have to play hero. He's going to have to put his cape on and be great because it's not even about the Bills as much as I just think the Colts have really peaked at a good time. They've built themselves into what is a true tough January out with their style of play. So I would not want to have to play them in the first round, I would say. All right. Very interesting. All on the Saturday, too, right in a row with Buffalo Indy, followed by Rams, Seahawks, followed by Buccaneers and the Washington football team. We've remained very civilized, Grant and I, during all this. I will point out again <laughs> for the audience here, I have pulled out the 2002 Super Bowl hat uh, that is here on YouTube. Come check it out. That's the one from San Diego and the win over the Raiders in that playoff season. So I'm bringing out the good luck charms here on this. One more time around the room, let me plug for all of these guys, and I will show it on screen as well. You catch Sal Capaccio on WGR Radio. Uh, he is right here at Sal Sports on Twitter. He will be on the sideline for Bills and Colts as they kick things off on the wild card weekend with the first of six games on Saturday. Grant Paulson is at Grant Paulson. The Grant and Danny show is on 106.7 The Fan, WJFK in Washington, D.C. Love me some sports gambling podcast with Sean Green and Ryan Kramer. Look at those male models in the studio <laughs> uh, going over uh, all of their picks and all of their podcasts. Uh, the new sports gambling podcast, uh, latest one is out with the AFC. And you mentioned you're going to have an NFC one uh, probably at the time that they're hearing this as well that's out uh, with all the picks and the sports gambling podcast. Hopefully I, got, I did well with all of the plugs. Gentlemen, thank you. I appreciate all of your time and input. Sal, stay warm in Buffalo. Enjoy the home, the home playoff game for the first time since when? 1996. It was Jim Kelly's last game. It was the last time the Bills had a home playoff game, a loss to the Jacksonville Jaguars. It's been a long time. And guys, we're welcoming finally 6,700 Bills Mafia members to the stadium. I've been lonely down there in the moat this year. That's true. They've had no one there for those games. There will not be anybody in D.C. at the game. The young Jedi and I were both at the 99 playoff game, Bucks and Redskins, won by the Bucks in Tampa. This one in Landover, Maryland at FedEx Field for the Washington football team in this matchup. Grant, thank you, and we'll see what happens on Saturday night. Can they keep it close, or will Brady roll on with a new era and a new legacy in Tampa Bay playoffs? We'll see. Yeah, we absolutely will, and it's dominant defense or bust for Washington. No doubt. Sean Green, thank you. Keep knocking them dead with the Sports Gambling Podcast. Again, publicly, thank you for all you do to help us with Three Dog Thursday through the network of shows and the website. We bow to you, my friend, and we look, we look forward to the playoffs this weekend. Thanks, TJ. Appreciate it, and uh, nice uh, talking to you guys. Yeah, you too. All right, you boys be well. We will continue. Brian Edwards with me talking more NFL playoffs as we continue on the show. We are back in one more time with a man that's a senior handicapper at uh, MajorWager.com and also with Vegas Insider. He is Brian Edwards. Uh, as we come into the NFL wildcard playoff weekend, newly expanded, as we were just talking about on the YouTube roundtable, for those that are only hearing us once again uh, here on the audio podcast via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, six wildcard games now, Brian, this weekend instead of four, as the NFL had always intended to expand by one more playoff team and one more game in both the NFC and the AFC. So they have done that. Three games Saturday, which we went over thoroughly in the last segment three more on Sunday uh, including the uh, rematch of Ravens at Titans where a year ago Tennessee went to Baltimore and shocked 
uh, the Ravens and Lamar Jackson. That's a rematch. Bears in NOLA with no fans in the Superdome, which will be interesting with Chicago, a heavy underdog. And then the Pittsburgh-Cleveland rematch of the game last week where the Steelers were resting players and the Browns made the playoffs for the first time in 18 years by beating Pittsburgh and getting in. So as we call you back in, we've got six games across the board. I've given some thoughts. My, my guests in the last segment gave some thoughts. Give me a thought or two here on, on the Wild Card Weekend. Are you ready for this buffet of games to get underway? Six of them, Saturday and Sunday, sir. Oh, I'm salivating. Can't wait. Uh, and I'm very interested in, and, and, and we, can, we can say I'm interested in it, and when you tweet, tweet the show out to promote it this week, I'll, I'll commit at some point. But, but I really need to know about Antonio Gibson and Terry McLaurin because Washington's offense is very pedestrian. But Gibson, you know, 11 touchdowns this year, 795 rushing yards, 4.7 yards per carry, 36 catches, 247 yards. He was limited at Wednesday's practice by a toe. He's listed as questionable. I think he's going to end up being okay. But then Terry McLaurin, 87 receptions, 1,118 yards, four touchdowns. Um, He's also questionable. So uh, if those two guys are upgraded, I'll be on Washington. I just love their defense. Um, number two in total defense, number two in pass defense, number four in scoring D, 20.6 points per game. You got those three SEC studs on the D line along with Chase Young. You got Jonathan Bossing playing linebacker. Their defense has carried them all year. And you go back, they, they got their, they got torched several times there in September. But since week five, they've only lost by three, I'm sorry, by more than three once. And that was a five point loss. Uh, to Seattle, in which they covered at, at plus five and a half or six. Uh, and, you know, to be getting more than a touchdown at home, those Tampa Bay boys don't play good in the cold normally, as you were well <laughs> familiar for decades upon decades. And um, I'm, I'm, I like Washington if Gibson and McLaurin are, okay. are you know, 90%. Now, you've given a very – I will say to you, counselor, like a, like a lawyer, you've given a very compelling argument to the court uh, here on all these different things. The, the, the two or three things I will come at. The first thing is Tampa Bay's offense is better than anything Washington has played, including the Steelers down the stretch of the season, including the Seattle Seahawks. Certainly better than what they saw at the very end of the year. Remember now, they got whacked by Carolina against that defense. And, and certainly Jalen Hurts even had his moments where he was moving the ball against him before Philadelphia just absolutely laid down in the fourth quarter, putting Nate Sudfeld in to turn the ball over over and over again in a three-point game Tom Brady I am here to testify is electric right now and you can talk about level of competition with the teams they're playing uh, with Minnesota Atlanta twice and Detroit down the stretch of the season like I was saying with the guys on the round table but guess what that's a seven and nine Washington team it's right out of the same cloth and, and they're going to have all kinds of problems matchup problems with the skill players and the weapons Brady has I just don't think Washington can score with them, and I don't think Washington is going to hold them to like 17 or 13 points in this game. But obviously you have a belief that Washington will be able to hold them down to an extent. Well, I, I, you know, I just think that Washington has so many playmakers that they can force turnovers and set their offense up with short fields if they don't score a touchdown themselves. You know, how's your O-line? Is your O-line healthy? The O-line is healthy, and the kid on the right tackle, Tristan Wirfs, the Iowa number one pick, has not allowed a sack in the last 11 games, and a lot of the time he's going to see Chase Young. And look, Chase Young may meet, may beat him and may beat him a couple of times in that game, and they may have to put a tight end over there or a back over there to help out. 
But if Washington cannot get pressure with their front four, if they're having to do it with the blitz and can't get home with the blitz, they're in big, big trouble. The front four's got to be able to get home. That's what they've beaten people with. Again, I simply submit Brady's thrown for 1,000 yards, literally, in the last three games. He has been fantastic at 43 years of age. Brian, I was there at field level. He still got it with the deep ball and the touch in week 17. He has silenced and shut up any critic that he was not going to be able to still be throwing the ball the same way at 43 years of age. He can. And so now let's see what happens. people saying that, by the way? There were a a ton in the New England media. There were a ton in the national media that were questioning this. And when he played poorly, well, right. And when he played poorly in that Saints Sunday night game that everybody saw, there were so many people to quickly go, "Uh uh-huh. Yep. See, see, uh uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, now you play the whole season out and you watch the last four games. And I'm just telling you, he can throw the ball deep. I don't believe Alex Smith can throw the ball deep in this game physically. Now, I don't believe he physically can anymore to give them a deep passing offense. It's not them, but Brady can. So let's just see how that goes for Saturday night. And again, you're you're watching the injury situation for the Washington uh, running backs. Will Mike Evans be able to play? Right. And and we don't know will Evans be able to play as well, Brian, because right now he didn't practice the first two days midweek. Probably going to be listed as questionable, might be listed as doubtful. Bucks may look to try to rest him mostly and, and have him be ready for another game, think they can get by. I mean, heck, Brady threw for 300 yards last week on Atlanta after, as you know, as a Falcon guy, after Evans went out of the game. He was throwing it to Godwin, throwing it to Gronk, throwing it to Antonio Brown and anybody else he wanted to throw it to. So let's just see how it goes for Saturday all right so at the risk of uh of talking too much about that game because we've talked a lot about it is there you don't have to take an underdog is there one other game out of the other five that intrigues you more uh, than the others Brian Edwards of majorwager.com is there another wild card game that stands out to you that you're really interested in either Saturday or Sunday yeah, I'm interested in Buffalo. I, I just want to see how they play. And I know Indy's got a really good defense, and, and Phillip Rivers can, can still play. But I just I don't think that he's going to play well. And Buffalo just looks red hot to me. And I just want – but, you know, we had Lamar Jackson was red hot in the MVP going into this postseason last year. And, and you know, we got to see Josh Allen do it in the playoffs. You know, in the playoffs last year, he was not that great. And uh, their defense certainly played well enough to win that game last year. And uh, obviously the, the Titans and the Ravens is going to be a physical, physical war. And uh, is Derrick Henry going to show out like he has as the weather has turned cold this year and like he did in January of last year when he was a monster? Uh, and I lean Titans. So the two underdogs that I'm really interested in are the Titans getting more than a field goal at home and uh, Washington. Interesting. All right. And and again, uh, I had Houston last week on Three Dog Thursday against the Titans, and boy, did they come through. Had chances, chances plural, to maybe win that game before Tennessee rallied. And what a crazy end sequence uh, where – 
the the Titans scored too soon. We've been joking about this all week. Gave Houston a chance to go down and maybe get a touchdown. Instead, they end up with a field goal. And then inexplicably, the Titans play the Greg Williams New York Jets defense of let's let them just throw a 50-yard pass in the final 20 seconds to A.J. Brown, the top receiver. Right? It's crazy to get the field goal. And then the field goal kicker who they had just signed, Sam Sloman is his name, banks in the winning field goal to clinch the division. It gets no crazier in Week 17, and we'll see right. what it means for the Titans. That's why they're at home. That's why they have a home game as the South champions because the field goal banked in and they won the game. Uh, we will see uh, on that, and it should be it should be wild all the way through Pittsburgh. And by the way, congratulations to you. I will say to the audience, this man was saying back during the pandemic when we didn't have games, you were saying in the summer in May and June, Steelers to win over what was it to win over nine and a half games, which they did, yep. and Steelers to and what the Steelers to win the North, and you were you were saying it in the summer. And so if they had listened to you, you cashed what now? As it as it turns out, when they played the sixteen games and won the division. Uh, plus 350 on uh, the odds to win the AFC North. Um, I also had adjusted win over 10.5 at plus 130. Also, one of my accounts allowed me to match up against certain teams. Like I had the Steelers minus one against the Cowboys. I had them uh, min- a plus two against the Ravens. I had them uh, minus three uh, against the Bengals, I think it was, and like minus one and a half against the Eagles. I cashed, and they all graded on Sunday, which I – I really needed because the ball games weren't that great to me last week. Understandable on that, uh, you know. And the and the one thing here with that Cleveland game, just one more quick note before we get out of here: no Kevin Stefanski. He's not going to be allowed to coach. So it's interesting that the Pittsburgh uh, three and a half point line shot up immediately a couple of points to two and a half points to five and a half or six for them at home. Are you surprised without their coach, without Cleveland's head coach, that that line is not bigger midweek here for the Steelers headed to Sunday night at home in a playoff game? Uh, was it there? Was there one or two players or no? There's at least two players, but we're not okay, certain yeah. as to whether they will come off the COVID list because right, do they okay. have it or not? Okay. We don't know. Right. We know Stefanski, the head coach, has it. It's a 10-day automatic thing for him. He can't coach. So, yeah, it's a great unknown with Cleveland's players, and maybe and maybe the line goes up more depending on if it's more players. Again, at the time we're taping, they, test, they tested more on Wednesday, and it appears it's not an outbreak for the players – I was just curious that the thing didn't become eight or nine points for Pittsburgh without Cleveland's head coach being there. Just real quick, Brian. Well, now I, I'm kind of curious why it hasn't gone down. Like, I think they were probably kind of just hedging themselves. It's maybe going to be a bigger outbreak. Let's take it up to six, six and a half. So I, when I looked yesterday, it was six and a half. And um, now, but now that, you know, they, Cleveland got a clean round of tests, I'm surprised it hadn't gone down to like four and a half or five. Um, Interesting. We'll, we'll, we've still got plenty of time before kicks. So yep, we'll that'll be Sunday night in the rematch there for Pittsburgh and Cleveland. Cleveland in the playoffs for the first time in 18 years since Butch Davis was their coach for the Cleveland Remember Browns. Remember the QB? 
Uh, the the QBs were uh, it wasn't Couch, it was Kelly Holcomb, my buddy Kelly Holcomb, quarterback. A playoff game at Pittsburgh, by the way. And I know he this played brilliant. And and I have done some radio work with Kelly a couple of times. He threw for four hundred yards in that game yeah. against Pittsburgh, and I believe it was thirty six thirty three. If memory serves, and I believe Pittsburgh. it was Tommy Maddox that was the quarterback yeah. for the Steelers prior wow. to Big Ben in that one. So they haven't been in for eighteen years. My Buccaneers have not been in uh, since 2007 when they had Jeff Garcia at quarterback, Mike Allstott, uh, Derek Brooks still playing for him, Rondé Barber still playing for him, and that was Eli Manning, Plaxico Burris, and the Giants beating the Bucks and then rolling on to three wild card road wins, three road wins, and then a Super Bowl win over the unbeaten 18-0 Patriots. That's the last time the Buccaneers... Super Bowl MVP? Super Bowl MVP was Eli, or who was the Super Bowl MVP? MVP Strahan, who was it? Oh, 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 I thought you were talking about 03 with Bucks Raiders. Yeah, Bucks 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 Raiders, right, was Dexter Jackson in the 02 season, the 03 Super Bowl. I'm trying to remember. I think it was Eli as the MVP uh for the for the yeah. Giants that year. That's the last time my Buccaneers were in a playoff game when Eli Manning and company came came back. The Bucks scored on the opening drive of the game and were leading seven nothing. And then it was all downhill from there. And, uh, and again, the Giants rolled on to two more road wins, including beating Green Bay, remember, in the, in the really frozen sub-zero tunda uh-huh. in overtime, and then beat Barbed the 18-0. and That's right, and then beat the 18-0 and Patriots and Tom Brady uh, in the championship game. Hey, one more, because I know you got to go. This is as surreal as it gets that we're going to see Tom Brady in a Tampa Bay Buccaneer uniform play in a playoff game. We saw it with Peyton Manning and the Broncos. We saw it with Brett Favre and the Vikings, Joe Montana and the Chiefs. Here we go with Brady after 20 years of New England playoff games playing in a playoff game with Tampa Bay. It's wild. Welcome to sports, right? Yeah, and they're dangerous. They got a good shot to win it as anybody, but they also have a very dangerous football team with a hell of a defense that they got to get past perhaps without Mike Evans on uh, on this first weekend. All right, that's coming on Saturday night. This man's got such great information. Again, we plug away for you. Where can they find you uh, online, on social media, etc.? Because you're going to have all kinds of injury information, trends, all of it for the NFL playoffs, and then the Monday night as it's scheduled right now, and we believe it'll happen, Alabama, Ohio State, Monday night. You'll have it all, and tell them where they can find it. Yeah, lots of basketball picks and also doing some uh, Vegas, or lots of basketball picks at VegasInsider.com and doing some podcasts with uh, Kevin Rogers. We're doing one on the Ohio State-Alabama game, a lot more closer to kick. Look for that this weekend. And uh, go to MajorWager.com and, and read the story my colleague Blake Von Hagen wrote about Deshaun Watson uh, winning the passing title at 35-1 to 1 odds and this better and what he had to go through to get those 35-1 to 1 odds. He took four different flights from Florida to Atlantic City to Biloxi to Vegas, back to Florida and back to Vegas because the the books were closed for like five-day stretches during the pandemic, but it all paid off when Mahomes got week 17 off and Watson had a big game and he cashed the 35-1 to 1 uh, ticket. And you can follow me on Twitter at Vegas B. Edwards. Enjoyed it as always, TJ. Good luck to your bucks this weekend. Hope they don't cover, but hopefully they'll survive in advance. We shall see how all of that goes, my friend. A pleasure to have you. A pleasure to have our roundtable guests that were with me as well as we got the opportunity to talk with Sal 
Capaccio in Buffalo. The Bills, uh, they're playing host to the Indianapolis Colts to kick off Wild Card Weekend. Grant Paulson from D.C. Uh, and uh, and the, uh, the great shows that they have there on WJFK and their sports radio, their FM sports radio station. And Sean Green of the Sports Gambling Podcast. Thank you again one more time to those guys, their network of shows. Uh, as again, uh, Brian, we've got thousands and thousands and thousands finding us and hearing us through the Sports Gambling Podcast and their network of shows and their website. Great stuff there. Thank you, Brian Edwards. Thank you to the audience for hanging in. Let's see what happens with the NFL playoffs. I love Alabama to roll on with a sixth national title for Nick Saban and the Crimson Tide. Uh, read up more on what Brian thinks about this game this weekend. For now, we're done here on Three Dog Thursday. Enjoy all the games. We'll talk to you next week. Bye.